welcome to Trinity United Methodist Church in Duncanville, Texas. Today we conclude our sermon series on stories associated with Jesus, antidotes and anecdotes. Today we consider the question, what does an unplanned pregnancy have to do with born-again Christians? Join us now for the message, Born of the Spirit. Good morning and welcome here to worship at Trinity United Methodist Church in Duncanville, Texas. I'm Jane Grainer and I'm the senior pastor and we welcome you here for worship here on this Labor Day weekend. Now Wesley McCall, our music director, is actually not going to be with us this week. He is uh, at a family funeral in Kansas. So we will then just, you'll just have to look at me all day. Stay tuned, however, because we're going to be talking about later how an unplanned pregnancy might have something to do with born-again Christians. We are going to start next week a new sermon series. Throughout the summer, we've been looking at stories about Jesus, but we're going to take a different turn starting next week, and we're going to have a new sermon series entitled Christianity's Family Tree. And it's actually a follow-up on the spring sermon series I did on the other world religions entitled The Warmth of Other Sons. In Christianity's Family Tree, we'll be taking a look at the different branches and different denominations of the Christian family. And we'll be seeing how other branches of Christianity might be able to add something to our own Wesleyan heritage or Wesleyan heritage and make us then closer to God and closer to our Christian siblings. And now, let us enter into a spirit of worship and prayer with this centering psalm. And this is going to be from the 33rd Psalm, and we'll be starting with the first verse. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Praise the Lord with the lyre, Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and all their host by the breath of his mouth. He gathered the waters of the sea as in a bottle. He puts the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord and let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. Truly the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and shield. Our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. And now for our opening prayer. God of the ages, you loved us so much that you came down from heaven to dwell among us. You have called us to leave our comfort zones and journey with you into unknown regions. You have blessed us so that we could be a blessing to others. Open our hearts to your spirit that we may continually be reborn in you. In your son's name, amen. And now, even though we cannot be together in the same place, we are together in the same time. So my prayer for you is peace be with you. 
We uh, now please join me in our prayer for illumination. Holy God, author of the word made flesh, open us to your Holy Spirit, that as scripture is spoken and your word proclaimed, we may be comforted, convinced and changed through the glory of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. Now we have two sermon texts for this morning. The Old Testament text is from the book of Genesis, chapter 12, starting with verse one. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you, I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Our gospel reading is from the Gospel of John. We'll starting in the third chapter, starting with verse one. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, how can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can, I, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the son of man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I was born the fourth child in a family that had only planned to have three children. I have known this all of my life. I have always known that I was the result of an unplanned pregnancy. In fact, I've been told that I'm specifically the result of a New Year's Eve party, which makes sense since I was born nine months later in September. In fact, tomorrow is my birthday. And today is my mother's birthday and I'm, I'm wearing her cross today in her honor. Well, when the host of the New Year's Eve party found out that my mother was now pregnant, their response was, well, it looks like you should have danced all night. 
when my mom found out that she was pregnant, she and dad realized that they were going to have to tell something to the other children to explain this pregnancy, because whenever they had been asked earlier if they were ever going to have another little brother or sister, they had said that, no, they were only going to have three children. And so now they were going to have to explain this fourth pregnancy. But mom had an idea. She told my siblings that because they were such a special family with such good children, that God was going to give the family an unexpected bonus. So for the rest of her life, my mother referred to me as her bonus baby. I have always known that I was unplanned, but I have never thought of myself as an accident. The way my mother told it, I was an unexpected gift from God. And when you tell a child that, believe me, they, they think that's very special. Well, my birth was unique in some other ways, too. I was the only child in which my mother had natural childbirth, and therefore I was the only birth for which she was actually conscious and awake, which may explains the fact that they made very sure there was never a fifth child. There were also some unexpected difficulties. I was born breech, and my mother was having trouble delivering me, and then the doctor realized that the umbilical cord was wrapped around my neck. And evidently he got the umbilical cord uh, unwrapped at just the right moment. And so uh, the birth was able to proceed. I had another small problem that my, my left foot was kind of bent and turned inward. But the doctor said it'd probably straighten out as soon as I started walking. And that's exactly what happened. The truth is, is that birth can be very hard. I grew up with a friend whose own mother died from the complications of childbirth when right after my friend was being born. Her father remarried while she was still a baby, so her stepmother is, is the only mother she has ever known. And while this, this woman has been a wonderful mother to her, nevertheless, my friend has had kind of some complicated feelings about this her entire life. And Nicodemus was also having some complicated feelings about the whole concept of birth. Now, Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was also a member of the Sanhedrin, that is, the ruling council of the Jews. And our gospel writer, John, makes sure to tell us that Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. The implication is that while Nicodemus was curious about Jesus, he was still in the dark about exactly who Jesus was and what Jesus was trying to do. It's kind of as if there was a cord around Nicodemus's neck that was holding him back from embracing new birth. And it threatened to choke off his spiritual life just as he was trying to, get, trying to free himself from the confines of his past. Well, the first thing that Jesus says to him is, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Well, this just leaves Nicodemus confused. You see, the same Greek phrase can be translated either as born from above or born again. Now, Jesus is talking about being born from above in a spiritual sense, while Nicodemus thinks he's talking about literally being physically born again. And the thing is, we still find this confusing. How many times have you heard the phrase born again Christian? But this phrase has always been a pet peeve of mine. You see, first of all, it's redundant. 
from a biblical perspective, there's no such thing as a non-born-again Christian. A Christian is, by definition, born again. Uh, instead, the phrase born again has become synonymous with a certain type of conservative Christian, and this phrase ends up being used by people who just don't fully understand what the term actually means. But secondly, the better translation is born from above. That is, we need to be born from above. That is what Jesus is saying. And this carries a different meaning than just being born again. Uh, being born again just sounds like that spiritual rebirth is just a one-time event. Uh, just get born again and your eternal life is secure. It therefore neatly divides humanity into two different groups, those who are born again and going to heaven, and those who are not born again and therefore are not going to heaven. It encourages spiritual pride while it discourages further spiritual growth. On the other hand, being born from above implies that rebirth is more of an ongoing process. It's less of a one-time event and more of a state of being, a place where we abide in the divine presence of the Holy Spirit. To be born from above, or as Jesus later puts it, to be born of the Spirit, will lead to a lifetime of smaller rebirths. As we abide in the Spirit and we grow deeper in our relationship with God, we'll encounter uh, a number of times throughout our lives when we need to begin again, when we are confronted by this need to start over, each time God then calls us to new life. Now, some of these uh, occasions are, are joyful opportunities for a new phase of life. Others of these occasions will be heartbreaking and gut-wrenching as we have to come to accept a new circumstance that comes to us unwanted and unbidden. In our reading from Genesis, Abram is called by God into an entirely new phase of life, a rebirth that will not only change the life of his family, but the lives of all the families of the earth. God asks Abram to leave his home, his country, and his family to go to a foreign land. And notice that God never tells him where he is going. God simply says, go where I lead you. God then extends three promises to Abram. There's going to be land, descendants, and blessing. This land where, where God is taking Abram will be an inheritance for his multitude of descendants, and his family, in turn, will be a blessing to all the families of the earth. These few verses are some of the most important in the entire Bible, so important that my former seminary professor, Dr. John Holbert, referred to them as the linchpin of the Bible. Now, of course, many of you know John because uh, John was the husband of one of the former pastors of Trinity UMC, Diana Holbert. The calling of Abram is the beginning of God's gracious incursion into human life to bridge the chasm that exists between us and God. It is the beginning of the story of salvation. Abram goes as he has been called, and even though he is following God's lead, it is not an easy road. It'll be 26 more years before Isaac, the child of promise, is born to his wife, Sarah. And as all of those who, who know who are part of our Wednesday night Bible study, 
um, there will be many more new rebirths and new directions as the as the family of Abram and Sarah and and uh, their tale unfold and the tale of their family. Well, back in John, Jesus reminds us that being born from above is synonymous with being born of the Spirit, and that life in the Spirit can be unpredictable. Now, the same word in Greek, the word pneuma, means both spirit and wind. And so Jesus makes this analogy. We cannot see the wind directly. We know it by its effects. We can feel it on our skin. We can see it in the sway of the trees. We can see the effects of the wind when we see the aftermath of a storm. We've been seeing quite a bit of that on the news lately. And likewise, we cannot see the Holy Spirit directly. We know the Spirit by the Spirit's effects. We feel the Spirit in our heart. We see how the Spirit works in the body of Christ to make new disciples. And we perceive the Spirit as we perceive the Spirit telling us to leave what is comfortable and to forge ahead and do some new path that God is calling us towards. When I was trying to decide, uh, many, many years ago, when I was trying to decide whether or not to pursue becoming a pastor, I would sit back, uh, I would sit on my back deck and I would watch the wind blow through the trees. And I knew that this was just God telling me that the Holy Spirit was going to be with me. And like Abram, I did not know where I was going. And for a long time, I, I truly thought that for me to become a pastor meant that I would have to move to a different part of the country. But I knew God was going to be with me and God would lead me. And so, therefore, whatever happened, the experience would be for me a blessing. And that I knew through the power of the Holy Spirit that my ministry was therefore going to be a blessing for others. The Holy Spirit enables us to enter into new life with God and, and to live in God's presence here on earth as part of the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is not entered into by human effort, but through spiritual transformation that is wrought within us by the Spirit of God. And this transformation enables us to live in intimate relationship with God and to participate in eternal life. Now, we usually think of eternal life as something that happens after our physical death, but eternal life is something we actually participate in right now. It's something we enjoy now. In God, we can live lives that are, no, that are, that are uh, no, no, um, not only everlasting, not only everlasting, but also are not ultimately held down by the power of sin and the fear of death. And we can experience that right now. Eternal life is a gift. It's a gift that's being freely offered to us. It's being offered out of God's sheer love for us. And not only God's sheer love for us, but God's love of the entire creation. You see, when God's, or excuse me, when Jesus said, for God so loved the world, God, uh, excuse me, John records that he uses the Greek word cosmos, which basically means the same thing in English as it does, in, it does in Greek. God loved the cosmos. Therefore, God loves more than just the world. God loves everything that is. God loves all of creation, including this world and including um, the human race. But it includes all of creation. And all we need to do is accept this gift. God already loves us. God already offers to us eternal life. 
We simply need to have faith that this is true and have faith in the promise of blessing. For when we accept the reality of God's love, that love can then transform us. Eternal life can begin now. And this is Jesus came from above and then was born in the flesh. We who are born in the flesh can now be born from above, that is born in the spirit. And we are born from above when we are born from the spirit, born into eternal life. We have the courage to follow God into all those undiscovered countries into which we are being called. Genesis says that Abram was 75 years old when he left his country and his family for the promised land. 75 years old. Now, Abram might have said, sorry, God, I'm just too old. I'm tired and I don't like change. Sorry, but you should have gotten to me 30 years ago. Now, someone else might have said, sorry, God, I'm just too young. I don't have life experience. Come back to me in a few years. Someone else again might say, sorry, God, I'm just too busy. I'm in the middle of life. I'm building a career. I'm taking care of both children and aging parents. Besides, it just sounds too hard. I don't like to travel. Sorry, I'm just not interested. I have a little niece, Peyton, who was born with a heart valve defect. And in a way, we're all kind of born with defective hearts. Uh, when we are, but when we're born of the Spirit, God is able to work within us, be able to work within our wounded hearts, and to give us the courage to become the people that we're created to be. Even Nicodemus, who came to Jesus in the dark, caught between birth and death and lost in confusion, was able to eventually see the light. Later, when the Sanhedrin, that is the ruling council for which he was a member, when the Sanhedrin began to plot against Jesus, Nicodemus defended Jesus there in the council. And after Jesus was there dead on the cross, Nicodemus assisted and helped Joseph of Arimathea to get his body down from the cross and get it buried there into the garden tomb. Nicodemus sought Jesus in the darkness, yet learned from Jesus about the gift of new life. And in a moment of rebirth, Abram answered God's call to go to a new land. And so may we also have the faith to hearken to God's call of new birth, to be born of the Spirit, and so, we, so that we may too may be a blessing for all the families of the earth. Amen. And now we come to the part of our service where we are going to be celebrating the Sacrament of Holy Communion. If you've not already done so, then please go get your bread and your wine or grape juice so you'll be able to join us. Now, Christ our Lord invites and welcomes all people throughout the earth to the table of God. So if you're ready to accept Christ's invitation, if you love God, if you repent of your sin, if you intend to live in peace with all, then let us confess our sin before God and one another. And when I lift my hand, you will please respond, God have mercy. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. God, have mercy. We have failed to be an obedient church. God, have mercy. We have not done your will. God, have mercy. We have broken your law. God, have mercy. We have rebelled against your love. God, have mercy. We have not loved our neighbors. God, have mercy. 
and we have not heard the cry of the needy. God, have mercy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And now let us all in our own hearts confess our sins silently. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and good. Uh, it is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets, who looked for that day when justice shall roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream, when nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall, they, neither shall they learn war anymore. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. Your spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to announce that the time had come when you would save your people. He healed the sick, fed the hungry and ate with sinners. At the baptism of his suffering death and resurrection, you gave birth to your church and delivered us from slavery to sin and death and made with us a new covenant by water and the spirit. At his ascension, you exalted him to sit and reign with you at your right hand. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you and broke the bread and gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your son, Jesus Christ, 
through the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. This bread which we break, is it not a sharing in the body of Christ? And this cup over which we give thanks, is it not a sharing then in the blood of Christ? This is the body of Christ broken for you. And this is the blood of Christ shed for you. And now please pray with me. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And now with the confidence of the children of God, let us pray together the prayer that our Lord taught us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Action item for this week. Look for ways that you can be a blessing to others. And now accept this benediction. Go forth secure in the knowledge that God so loved you that God sent both the Son and the Holy Spirit to bless us all with the gift of eternal life. And now use this knowledge to go and be a blessing for others. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Love your neighbor. Go in peace. We hope you enjoyed and were blessed by today's service. Join us next Sunday here on Facebook Live at 11 a.m. Next week, we begin a new sermon series exploring the different branches and denominations of the church. It's entitled Christianity's Family Tree. If you can't join us live, you can always listen to the recording of our service. You'll find that on our podcast, Jane's Most Excellent Church Adventure. God bless you in the week ahead. We'll see you Sunday at Trinity United Methodist Church. Thank you.